And now, and now, the best of Pete Price. The best of Pete Price on Radio City 96.7. Sir Cliff Richard. Hey, Peter, how are you? And that's on your album, so what a great introduction. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> I'm glad you tore up the 11 pages, though. Oh, I couldn't. I couldn't. I was, I was hours doing it. Absolutely hours doing it. First of all, thank you for joining us. Not at all. And thank you for coming to Liverpool with the tour. I know. How could we not do Liverpool? You love it, don't you, at the Echo I, Arena? I always do, yes. I always have a great time there. It takes me right back to the early days when the shadows came around when we were there in the late 50s. I mean, there was never, ever a dull moment. So, yeah, I've always liked to go back. And this is really... Do you know what I love about you? You, you reinvent yourself every time this... To me, is one of the most exciting. Well, you know, I left a message on the answer machine. The most exciting <laughs> albums I've heard for many years. Not your album, just the album. I oh, love it. Well, fantastic. Well, I mean, you know, you do have to try and do something different every now and then. And um, in, in recent years, uh, the record company, for instance, find it easier to deal with um, airplay, general airplay, if you've got a project as opposed to a you know, a single, mm. a brand new song or something. Although, funny, enough, having said that, this this album was going to be uh, old, classical, iconic soul songs. But when I got all the demos that David Guest sent me, most of them were new, and I picked the ones that I like best, and there, 11 of the 15 songs are actually new songs, which I'm really happy about. So it just makes it more difficult for you DJs to decide what to play. And some of the names you're with... Oh, please. I mean, I well, I mean it, Candy Stanton. Yeah, I had Candy Stanton, Percy Sledge, Frida Payne, Marilyn McCoon, Billy Davis Jr., Fifth Dimension, uh, Lamont Dozier, of course. There's Denise Williams. There's the Review Temptations, the Stylistics, uh, Brenda Holloway, Peter Peebo Bryson, Roberta Flack. I, oh, if, I've, if I've forgotten one, forgive me. Mm. But that's what got me. You know, David Guest. I don't know if you've ever met David. Uh, yes. Know, He's a fire, yes. firecracker of a man, <laughs> off-the-wall kind of character. And when he phoned me and said, I've got this idea, and I went, oh, yeah. And he said, I think it sounds good singing soul. I said, oh, yeah. And he said, with some... And then he started to name all these people, and I stopped him halfway. I said, David, please, I'm telling you now. Yes, please, I'll do it. If you can find all these people to sing with me, I will... I'll be in heaven, and I am. I mean, I, I just still can't get over it. As I speak to you now, I'm rehearsing here in in Portugal with my keyboard player, and uh, I, I play. I still play the album because I'm learning some of the tracks to sing some of them on on stage, and it still gives me a kick. You know, I hear my my voice entwined with Roberta Flax and Peebo Bryson's, and I'm thinking, I mean. How could it ever get this good? I mean, who'd have thought? I could never have dreamed that this kind of thing could happen to me. And it has. It's wonderful. Tell me, um, how many of them are going to be with you on the tour? Uh, Percy Sledge is going to come. And, of course, the, the thing is, I've asked him if they'd all sing it. They've got to sing their big hit. Yeah. So he'll undoubtedly do When a Man Loves a Woman. Frida Payne's coming. She'll definitely do Band of Gold. Marilyn McCoo and Billy Davis Jr. are doing a little uh, medley of Up, Up and Away, Aquarius, Let the Sun Shine In. Um, Lamont Dozier is singing. You know, he, he has written 54 number ones. I said, please do any one of them. <laughs> and I think he's going to do. He's going to do how sweet it is to be loved by you. So again, I I think all my friends are going to they're going to know all this stuff. And then two names that aren't on the album. You know what I discovered, Peter? That 
is these iconic singers, they're, they're great, and because they're great, they're, they're still working icons. It was really hard, couldn't get everybody together. Uh, so I got those four from the album, but I wanted to sing a couple of the others. So as it happens, Lamont Dozier, I think he almost discovered James Ingram. And he mentioned the name. I went, oh, yeah, James has got a fantastic voice. Anyway, so I asked James to join me. Mm-hmm. And a homegrown soul singer, Jackie Graham. Do you remember Jackie? I do indeed, well, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm sure I remember. Of course you remember. But um, So she's going to join me. And they're going to do a couple of the du- duets. Because I did a duet with Peebo Bryson. Um, and he's, he's, he's not available. So James has agreed that he'll sing that song with me. And Jackie's going to do one of the other uh, duets with me too. Have I, See, I've got to, I, let me stop you there. I've got to stop you there because yeah. I've got to play that track. I've got you for a little bit, which, haven't which I? Which one? Yeah, yeah, which one? The, the one you just mentioned, which is my favourite. This says, this is, this is. <laughs> Sir yeah. Cliff Richard, this is from Woo! the new album. I'll just play a bit of it. Oh, I've <laughs> just love that track. Isn't it a great track? That was the one. That was one of four tracks that were produced in New York by Ashford and Simpson for me. And in fact, that song, along with the Roberta Flack song called um, When I Was Your Baby, was written by Ashford and Simpson and Michael McDonald. So, mm. again, I, what Peter, I can't tell you what it feels like just to mention their names as, as being people who have helped me make this album. It's tremendous. Well, I just want you to picture me today. The weather here is absolutely beautiful. I was driving around town today with my uh, roof down and that blasting out. <laughs> I just I just love it. I just it is love a good, it. It's a good car song. It's a good driving song, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Now tell me, where did you get the name from for the album and the tour? Uh, D- David Guest rang me while I was in Barbados uh, earlier in the year and, and said, look, have you thought of any names? And I thought of a couple. I mean, I thought Soulmates um, uh, sold out. Um, a few things. Anyway, he said, well, what do you think about this? And he said, solicious. And I thought, oh, that's like a cross between soul and delicious, solicious. Oh, I loved it. So I said, you got it, mate. That's the one. So that's how it came about. I can't remember. I think David, I think David created the name. So I don't know. Now, did you work well with him? Because I know he is a firecracker, because I've worked with him several times, and he just goes off on the tangent. He can do, yes, he can, but what he promised me, he gave me. He promised me this album, and uh, and as I said, you know, if you can do this, I will be so thrilled. I mean, I will be in heaven. So he came up with all the works. He ca- he came up, uh, Lamont, all the names that we've talked about yeah. were all available, all agreed to do it with me. Uh, we made the album in M- Memphis, most of it in Memphis, and some in um, New York, and everything was there. I mean, he presented me with the album that he promised me. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd say he certainly came up trumps with that. Now, I rang uh, the Echo Arena today, and I found out, and this is exclusive on this program, there are just, just a couple of tickets left. I didn't realise there was a couple left, so if there's anybody out there that wants to see the show on the 19th, there are. I'm, I'm, I'm gobsmacked. I, I think they found some seats from somewhere, but I don't know where they've got them from, because it's never happened before, so, you know. Well, you know, it's one of those things, you know, I, I always feel that touring at this stage, uh, again, touring was David's idea. I, I, I hadn't planned to tour. I thought I'd make the album this year, come around and see all you DJ guys and, and, and present the album, hopefully get it in the charts.
once and then do a tour next year. But he was very keen to do it this year. So I sort of fell into his pattern and his thoughts because it was his idea in the first place. But, um, you know, it is, it is a recession, you know. I don't know. I, I've never, I never expect anything to happen for me. And at this stage, though, I say to myself, I've told everybody, I've got the album I want, you know. The tour is something I'd like to do because once we announced it, there was obviously a certain surge for tickets. But I don't know that we're sold out. And I've said, I don't care. You know, there's only got to be 50 people sitting in there, and we will be doing the best show of the decade. I mean, how can I miss with all these people? They're all coming to help me do it. So, I, in a way, I'm less worried about numbers mm -hmm. than I used to be, uh, because I feel I've got this, this album is so good for me. I mean, I'm, I, I'm so overboard about the album. And I'm, so far... You know, yourself included, I've had some really nice comments about, about uh, what they think of it. So I'm really happy. But I was never going to let the fans down. Once I'd said, once David had announced that we're going to do the tour, I thought, that's it. Yes, we're going to do the tour and be happy with it. And I, we will be. We're going to have a wonderful time. How many dates? It's uh, eight, eight shows in six cities. Um, I know there's two at the O2, and I think there's two in Birmingham. Mm -hmm. And I guess because they're the cities that kind of feed... Uh, the South, don't they? They kind of we, we're not able to go everywhere. For instance, we've missed out on Scotland. I I talked to Scotland radio station in Scotland, and they say, "Why aren't you coming here?" And I said, "You know, uh, when David organised the dates, it was very late. It was only in March this year. Yeah. Normally, when I do tours, I work 18 months ahead so you can get all the venues available for you in that in the period that you want to." tour and i guess we missed out because glasgow wasn't available but we're going to newcastle so i'm hoping that the scots might feel up to driving down i don't think it takes long about not an too hour. long no not, not too long, long. so uh, we're trying to get everywhere but of course liverpool's top of the list i've got to ask you because this because of the excitement of the tracks on this and the people you're with surely this could could happen in america yeah, I suppose it could. I have so few contacts in America. Now, of course, with Lamont, I have a, a better contact. But even even Lamont, it would be very difficult to get a record company f fascinated by me. But the only thing, the thing that's really going for this album is that they'll say, you know, look at this. And they'll go through those names of people that are singing with this English singer and think, oh, my God, there must be something here. And I think if they give it a listen, but, you know, Peter, the, the, our industry has changed so drastically. <laughs> I just don't know how to deal with it anymore. So I'm hoping that somebody, and maybe David, David Guest is still very much involved with the album, although he's not involved with the tour, but he's involved with the album. So I guess it's still a possibility that we could get a, a record company to be interested enough to release it, even on the strength of my guests. Never mind about me mm -hmm. being on there. The guests alone, I would have thought, would have made it interesting for, for a label in the States. Interesting the comment you just made then. Let me go back back to it yep. what would you feel like coming into the industry today um i think i i find it kind of difficult really uh i i was i, I was talking about it i can't remember why i was doing an interview or something and i said i'm not sure that today i would be able to deal with the intrusiveness of press and things like that that it never was quite like that when i started it was it was much more about just you making good and everybody cheering you on uh, and nowadays i get the feeling that it's more oh yeah okay let him have his hit but then try to bring you down somehow and uh, so i'm not sure how, how well i'd cope with that if i I was an 18-year-old again. But I think, 
Again, it's difficult to say. It's a bit like asking about tennis players who played 40 years ago, whether they're as good as the tennis players today. They are from their own time. They, they played exactly what was needed to be the best. And that's what these new guys do. Okay, they play harder, faster. But if those older guys were born today and, and, were, and started playing tennis at eight, they'd be just as good, if not better. So it's difficult to say for me whether I could have made it vocally. If I was making it now, I would have the same um, inspirations coming from all these young kids that I see on X Factor and Pop Idol. They're absolutely brilliant. I think they're brilliant singers. And, of course, they've had like 50 years of influences coming through, all the blue stuff, all the, all the new types of singing, all the Elton Johns, yeah, the Elvis as well. Uh, we've all played a part in creating a whole new sound. And when I hear them now, I think these young kids, guys and gals, are really amazing singers and I'm always really careful now when I'm walking around Tesco's because you never know <laughs> when you're walking next to somebody who don't they could well be a, a brilliant vocalist but do you not worry for the young people as you mentioned the X Factor do you not worry because you know yourself handling an audience controlling a night giving value for money what you do and what Mick Jagger does and what people like you do who have learned your artistry you've learned your craft surely these are being thrown into the lions I suppose so they are and of course the, the difficulty is that they're not uh, they're not getting the same support that we got I mean I tried to mention it on stage a couple of years ago now saying that you know I didn't have a number one until I'd made five records um, movement was number two, but then there was a decline. It was like seven, then nine, then 17, and then Living Doll. Yeah. But nowadays, people have a number one when they come out of X Factor or something. They maybe have a follow-up number one, and then if the next record is number three or two, it's considered a failure, and some of them are not even re-signed. That's what I can't understand. Dory Paramore, the record producer that The Shadows and I had, would say, don't panic, don't panic, we'll find the right song. In other words, they believed in yeah. you as an artist and said, we'll find the right song for you. And of course, you know, we just had to be patient. In fact, it wasn't that patient. I started in, um, I think October was the, the time when Move It went to number two, and we released four singles, and next June, which is only, what, nine months later, I had another one with Living Doll. So it, we used to release singles quickly in those days, but I just had to wait for that right moment, and that right moment came. The quality in your voice on this album has never changed. What do you do to your throat? What do you do to keep the way you are? Or is it just you're lucky? It's just luck, I think. Wow. I mean, I mean, you can do a lot to help it, of course. I mean, if you if you abuse your voice and you're screaming around, and it, it doesn't help it at all. Um, so, and I, and you know, before I I do concerts, for instance, I spend 25 minutes maybe doing a sort of vocal warm up, so that you don't go on stage cold and just bang those vocal cords together. There are only a couple of tiny little pieces of gristle that go together, bang mm. together to make these sounds. So it, it's, I, personally, I think it's just luck. I mean, I've, I heard Vera Lynn singing once. We were singing together, actually, at the thing outside the palace once, some time back, outside Buckingham Palace. And afterwards, I said to her, do you do warm-ups? She said, oh, darling, no, I don't. She said, I sometimes don't sing for weeks. And then they asked me to sing. I just open my voice and something comes out. And I'm thinking, no, that's luck. That's good luck, too. Now, talking about voices, tell us about this time with you, with Andy Stanton. Oh, well, it was, I mean, it's, I had forgotten how good she was, you know, and she walked into the studio and she knew the song, and the thing, let me tell you this now, I didn't actually sing on mic with many of them, but two or three times we did on mic, 
every singer that came in, though, Candy included, we would sing the song through together in the studio with Lamont listening to us. Because what I did was I, did my, I had recorded my voice so that Lamont could, could concentrate on my performance. And then when our guests came in, all the concentration went on to the guest. And only once or twice, and I can't remember which ones, but um, it may have been the Candy Staten one. She came in, opened her voice and sang. And I, I looked at him and went, oh, my God, this is unbelievable. And when it was over, I can't, it may have been this track. I said, look, you've got to let me just do that one line again. I think I should come in like this a little bit higher. And, uh, and sometimes hearing someone else do something, it can inspire you to, to change what you've already done. So, but I can honestly say that I sang... I sang acoustically with all of them, and it was an absolute treat for me, absolute treat. But Candy walked in and opened that mouth of hers and sang. It was wonderful, absolutely fantastic. I don't think she took very long either, um, because she'd taken the trouble to learn the song completely. And, I, and some of them some of them had knew the song, but they weren't au fait. You know, they're coming off a tour or something. Like the Temptations were, I think, on the road. They're on the road all the time. And they would just try and learn the song as they went along. And uh, they would take a little bit longer to learn it. But once they got behind that mic, you'd never know. But Candy came in and just opened her mouth and sang, and it was there. That, the song was just there. Can I give us a clip? Oh, yes, please. You know what you said before about teasing somebody and saying, well, try it this way. Yeah. I, do you know what jumped into my mind? An old friend of ours, bless him, Bob Monkhouse. When oh, he, yeah. When he worked in telly, if he wanted something doing it, he'd do it like you, in a very charming way, but he got his own way, and I bet you're exactly the same. <laughs> well, you have to be sort of diplomatic about things, because um, there's usually nothing wrong with what people do. It's just that if you... If, I mean, if Lamont... I mean, I said to Lamont, when we started, I said, Lamont, look... This is kind of a little adventure for me. Um, I don't know all the tricks of the trade, but you do. So if you feel I, I should do it differently, just tell me. I'll try it. And if, I, if it sounds wrong, you can tell me it's wrong, and I'll try some other way. And he was very up for that, and that's how we worked. And uh, it was very helpful for me to, to, uh, to get the feel of it. But you know what amazes me? I was not... Uh, I didn't find it, find it as difficult as I thought it might be, because in the end, if you think of it, Peter, uh, that era, that era of Elvis and all that soul music that was around, the blues, Big Bill Brunsies and Muddy Waters and all that, we were listening to those things as kids anyway. And so when Motown happened, all of that was happening, that was still influencing us. So when I got there and I was singing with them, I kind of was lifted I was lifted into their little realm. It was, it was not as difficult as I thought it was going to be. Now, you're coming to the Echo Arena on the 19th of October, which right now is full of Labour people because the Labour conference is there oh, right yeah, now. Know, right. And the town, is, the town is buzzing. <laughs> people, you're in Portugal rehearsing with your musical director. But give us a flavour of how hard it is to put on such a mammoth tour. Well, it's, it's difficult. First of all, it was difficult to, make, to get the guests. I mean, obviously, if I'm doing something on my own, then I, all I have to do is say, yes, I'm available. And they go ahead and plan everything, and then I have to, then I talk with technicians and stuff, and and of course I've done um, most of the planning of the show now because uh, to decide where Percy Sledge would come on or where Frida would come on and Marilyn and the others that come on, and how they do their songs. We've got I've got dancers, and I want I don't I want dancers to do Band of Gold with Frida, for instance, because that that was like one of the first dance records I can ever remember. Um, so that sort of thing takes a bit of planning, but. Over the years, I've got myself surrounded by people who really are so top-notch, it's not true. I've only got to mention something to the lighting guy, and he'll come back with 50 
better ideas. Mm -hmm. You know, it's one of those sort of things. And a uh, great stage pr production manager. And so I've only got to think of something, and I'll phone them, and they'll go, yeah, we've done it already. Done it. <laughs> They're ahead of me. But you still have to perhaps... Uh, you know, put a switch on. You have to be the one that turns the switch on and they just go crazy and do everything. So I, I've, I've got every confidence it's going to be good, but it's quite a lot of work involved. You've got to book musicians. I've got, for instance, my MD's done a lot of hard work for me, actually, on this one, Keith, Keith Heyman. He's, he's got me four uh, black guy singers, four girl singers. One of the girl singers is Sherry Payne, Frida Payne's sister. And uh, I've got some brass a, a, a great band. I've got my regular drummer and mm -hmm. I've got my regular keyboard player and another guy that I've used many times who plays, um, you know, synthesizer stuff. So some of them I'll know, some of them I won't. And those, th that all just takes time. It's yeah. just phone calls and, and then auditioning people. Because it's amazing, you know, Peter, you think that someone like myself wouldn't find it too difficult to find a guitarist, for instance. Uh, the guitarist I usually use is not available, so I've got to find somebody else. And in fact, we're going to try this time using two guitars so that you, you don't have just one guitarist playing yeah. all the solos. They'll switch between them. But, do you know, I, once before I tried to find a guitarist, and yes, they could play Devil Woman, but no, they couldn't do De Living Doll or The Young Ones. It's so funny. I'd have thought they'd have been the easy ones. <laughs> they just couldn't get Hank's sound or feel. And so far... Uh, Keith said, you'll have no problems. These two guitars between them are fantastic. They'll do all the... They've all they bought all the equipment that Hank <laughs> uses to get the echoes and stuff like that. So it's a lot of hard work goes into this. But, you know, it shouldn't show. Uh, I think when the public come, all they should do is go home and say, oh, wasn't that a great evening? And they needn't... They don't have to know why it's a great evening, but it does take a lot to make it come out like that. How are your fans going to react to this show, do you think? Well, I know they I, love you anyway unconditionally, but... Well, they, they followed me through all the changes I've made. Who'd have thought that my fans who bought Move It would buy Living Doll? But they did. More of them bought Living Doll. And the people that bought Living Doll, who'd have thought they'd have bought Devil Woman? <laughs> it was a huge change for me. But if you're doing something and it's of good quality, I think people will follow you into that realm. And, that, and that's what they've done. And in a way, when I think about it, when I listen to the new album, all I know is that when I, when I do an album of new songs, I try to find the best songs I can find. These songs gave me goosebumps. I, I couldn't wait to get in there and record them. I love the melodies of them. I'm sure the fans will enjoy them. But the thing I'm trying to do, though, Peter, is not just belt them all over the head with the brand new stuff. I think I, I'm going to do eight new songs. And, um, I'm, but on the, on the other hand, I'm singing, I start the show with From a Distance. I can tell you the first four songs. From a Distance, I'm nearly famous. Um, I could easily fall in the country. Then I'm introducing some guests. Then I'm going to go on and do Terry Britton songs, Carrie, Devil Woman. Then I'm going to introduce somebody else. Then I'm going to do Alan Tarney songs, We Don't Talk Anymore, Dreaming, A Little in Love, Some People. And then I'm going to do Hank Marvin songs, Summer Holiday, uh, The Young Ones, On the Beach. I'm going to do Living Doll. I'm going to do... You know, yeah. there's a whole bunch of them. So what I'm doing is I've got a bed of, of these fantastic old hits that I had over the years, and I'm just dotting in the new ones. And the other thing I think that the fans uh, perhaps are not aware of, when they see these people come on, they're going to hear stuff that they're going to go, oh, my God, I remember that. Yeah. They're going to love it. They're going to, how can they not go mad when 
three to six band of gold or so these things when a man loves a woman. So you're going to take people on a fabulous journey. I, well, for me, it'll be a fantastic journey, yeah. And in a way, for, for me also, the pleasure for me will be uh, kind of reintroducing. I don't think that the Brits have forgotten the temptations or the stylistics. It's just that we don't see them that much mm. or don't hear about them that much. And so for me to, to say, oh, and he, I can, mind you, I can't say that I'm going to show you them. They couldn't make it. Those, they work too hard. Uh, but I am going to be able to say, look, here's Frida Payne, here's Percy Sledge, here's Fifth Dimension, for crying out loud, Lamont Dozier, and, of course, James Ingram. People are going to remember um, just once and you know, other hits that he had, too. So, you know, it'll be fantastic. And Jackie, Jackie had two or three big hits, so they're going to recognize. I think she's decided to do um, Could It Be I'm Falling In Love. So, again, I mean, yeah. you, you know it instantly. So there'll be no gap where I feel the fans are going to be bored. There's just no room for boredom on, on the show. I hope you're not being bored talking to us because I've got two more tracks left. <laughs> Not at all. You're right. I'm just going to leave it aside because I've always, always wanted this opportunity to do this in public. <laughs> what are you going to do? I'm going to pick a, a bone with you. Right. <laughs> okay. Let's go back a few years. Okay. To the most wonderful experience I ever experienced was Heathcliff. Oh, yes. At Manchester. Oh, Sold really? out. It was an incredible musical. You were fabulous. Do you know the only thing that spoiled me? What? I was at the front on the first... 22 rows with hardened fans and I couldn't see because wherever you moved their heads turned <laughs> so if somebody else was singing over there nobody saw it because all they did oh, was stare at you and you were getting on my nerves <laughs> <laughs> I know Peter you can't blame me for that I, it's one of those things when we did the show I couldn't even have an understudy you know in every musical that's ever been put on they have an understudy in case something happens to the, the, lead, the lead actor or actress and uh, we just couldn't do it because the fans had made it quite clear that they were coming to see me in this show and I was happy about that of course <laughs> but I was a bit ner very nervous actually terror stricken at points thinking how can I what am I going to do I'm going to have to let them down if something happens to me so I guess that's what you suffered I'm afraid but it's funny when I was in Los Angeles a couple 18 months ago I saw John Farrow who wrote all the music and he said what are you doing with Heathcliff I said well nothing at the moment you know because Frank Dunlop and I who produced it and he directed it um, we own it. We own the, the book of that. So uh, um, I, I thought, well, I'm going to phone Tim Rice. Find out what do we do, Tim? What we need is we actually, looking, listening to it again, we need a couple more songs for the Kathy character. Mm -hmm. And that would fill it out, fill her part out well. Um, and, and then maybe we could, I could, maybe I could just produce it. I, I don't think I'd want to be in it now, but we can find some other character that could play Heathcliff. And, and I'm sure there's a whole bundle of uh, Cathy's out there. And it was a good musical. Oh, I love the it. music. I love the music. I, I absolutely, it, the, the, all of it. It was such a powerful piece. Well, and, you know, and you, it was great. You can't go wrong if you have people like John Farrow writing yeah. the music and yeah. Tim Rice writing the lyrics. I yeah. mean, you know, I, I don't know whether your audience will... John, John Farrow, we're dropping the name like that, but he's the guy that wrote most of Olivia's big hits, and he produced them. Um, he wrote the music for the Xanadu film and, and the extra songs that went into Greece, the, the musical. Mm. Um, so... You know, he's a great pedigree. And then Tim Rice, I mean, he's one of the greatest sort of lyricists on the planet. Yeah. Now tell me, have you learnt your lesson? This concert tour, have yep. you learnt your lesson? You are not, repeat, not getting Siller up to take a bow. <laughs> Tell them what well, happened at the Albert Hall. Oh, my. Well, Albert Hall, she came on to... She, she was coming to the show, and I said, do you fancy coming and doing something? Because she had uh, an album out, and I had done uh, Imagine with her. Yeah. 
And she said, oh, no, I'm a bit, bit nervous. She said, can I decide on the night? So anyway, I rehearsed <laughs> it with the band, and she was up in the box with my sister and friends, and she decided, oh, yeah, yeah, I think I'll do it. So she came down. We had a dressing room for her, and that really clinched the deal. The minute she had her champagne and a dressing room, she said, that's it, I felt so good. Well, then she came on. I left her. I, I introduced her by saying, we've all of us got a devil woman, and here's mine. And I said, Silla Black. She came on, and the crowd loved her, of course. And I went on, off, and I had a cup of tea, uh, did my hair and stuff, and powdered down with the sweat all going all over the place. And... Um, I came back to the side of the stage five minutes later. I said, has she finished? They said, no, she hasn't started yet. <laughs> she was still winding the audience up and trying to find that right man to sing to. And she found him. Anyway, and at the very end, you know, I've only done this to two women. There's only two women I've ever done this to. Um, she, we finished the Imagine after she'd done her, she did a version of Fever. Then she sang Imagine, and I joined her for that. And then I said, ladies and gentlemen, Scylla Black. And, of course, she threw her arms in the way. She was walking around the front of the stage. And, you know, I had to go up to her and say, Scylla, get off. You've got to get off. They, they fine you 1,000 pounds every minute you go over, and I've still got 10 songs to sing. <laughs> and I said it to Olivia to say, the same thing happened to these girls, you know. Once, you get, once they get into the limelight and get the applause, you can't get them off. Introduce um, Frida Payne. Tell us about the song you picked with her. Well, you know, one thing I will say, uh, again, for David, David Guest, he put all this together, got all the people together, but he also was the one who'd say, do you know, um, saving a life, that to me sounds really good for, for Frida Payne. And I said, well, I, yeah, fine, fine by me. I mean, I, yeah, I thought to myself, yes, that voice, I can hear her singing it. So he actually put everybody with the songs. They, he decided who'd sing what. I mean, I sing them all, of course, but they, he told Candy, Candy, you're going to do this one. And uh, for me, it was fantastic because Frida... Uh, Frida's a real pro, you know, and I didn't realize so much about her when we talked. Uh, she came over and did some TV stuff with me here in Britain. But uh, she sort of started off with a love for jazz and classical music originally. And in a way, when you hear her sing, sometimes you can hear there's certainly the jazz element there. But uh, when she got, I, 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 when she did Band of Gold, of course, I mean, that changed everything for her, it changed yeah. her whole world. But for me, for people to be able to still sound like that um, was, was an utter treat. Uh, not that I was nervous, but sometimes in the past when I've, I've sung with people, not on record so much, but uh, live, and you think, oh, it's not what I expected. But no, Frida and all the others, Frida came out, and she, she, the only thing she didn't know was the lyrics, because none of us knew the lyrics, but she knew the melody, and she knew how she was going to sing it, and she just did. She just mm. burned it, and it was wonderful. Let's play a little bit of it. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Sir Cliff Richard, and the, the album is called Solicious, the tour is as well. This is Frida Payne. Isn't that a great voice, though? She yeah. still can do it, can't she? John and Wendy have, uh, two friends of mine, have just bought cases of your wine back. How well is your wine doing? Well, it's doing quite well, really. I mean, we've just had a huge order from Germany, and... Um and this year, for instance, here they had a, a, a wine festival in the Algarve, and my white wine won a gold medal, my rosé won a gold, and there's a new wine that I tried. It's a, a single varietal wine called a, it's, the grape is called an Alicante Boucher, 
And it's one of the only grapes in the world where when you squeeze it, the juice is red. Did you know that all grape juice, red or white, is all white juice? And you have to leave the red skins in with the white juice to turn it red. But this one is just red when you squeeze it. And that one won Best Algarve Wine this year. So it's doing fine. We're having a wonderful time with it. My, my, vi my vineyard, as I speak now, during the day I look outside, it's looking a bit dingy now because the grapes have all been picked. They're in their tanks uh, getting ready to be drunk next year. But good stuff, yeah. And like yourself, I've done most things in the world, but I think one of the greatest things was sitting in your company, um, drinking your wine, thinking, I'm drinking his wine. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny, when I first made the wine and I sat out on my terrace, which look, overlooks the vineyard, and sitting there, drinking a glass of wine, thinking, oh, my God, it grew there. It was growing there just a year ago. So it's quite, a, yeah. it's quite an experience, actually. I can understand. Remember that book that was written called uh, A Year in uh, Provence? Yes. And it was basically about a, a vineyard coming to life. Mm. And now that I've got one, I know exactly what the guy was talking about. It was, it's just a wonderful... The whole concept is really beautiful. Do you ever get anybody knocking on your door, tourists saying, "Hi, I've just walked uh, up your drive." Uh, no, well, I mean, they can't. They can't really get in unless I leave the gates open. Ah, right. So if I if I've got people coming in and they, and they don't know codes and all mm. that, then I just leave the gate open. Um, most people don't come in now because I've got a, a, a very lovely Alsatian dog that growls and oh. goes mad when she sees people. <laughs> but um, but otherwise, you know, no, no, they can't. They can't get to me, and I think that's probably why I enjoy it here. I mean, I go out, so I'll see people out. I mean, I, there's a couple of restaurants in the village that I live in where a lot of my fans go and I see them. And, you know, they, mm. to be honest, they, they do let me have my meal and then I sign some autographs, maybe take a couple of pictures and stuff like that. And I don't mind that. But when I'm at the house, I always feel it's the one place, probably the one place in the world, even in Barbados, it's not quite like this. This is the one place where I feel I can recharge my batteries, I can sleep late. I mean, the funny thing is, I didn't think I was jet-lagged when I, got, I came in from New York, and I went, came to Portugal. Well, I've slept like nine hours a night <laughs> for the last four days, and uh, it must be to do with jet-lag. So here, I just close off, lock the doors, and just mm. be myself, and it's a, it's a great place to sort of get, garner energy. Mind you, I say that I, I do expel quite a bit because I do play tennis every other day, but it's all stuff that relaxes my mind. And then I work with, the, with Keith Heyman, every day for two or three hours. And uh, we've got a little system going. In fact, tomorrow's the first day we're going to run it all the way from the top. We'll start at song number one and we'll go right the way through until we get through it. Then I'll do that once more on Friday and then he leaves Friday night. And then I'll meet them all in Dublin to go over it with the full band. It was interesting recently. The papers are always trying to find a story on you, but it made me laugh when I read the story about you downsizing, as if that's a big deal. Why is that such? Why is that such a big deal? You're moving homes, and then oh, he's downsizing. There's problems. If I, if I was Siller, I'd say, darling, what would you do when you've got 20 homes? I've downsized to 10. <laughs> I remember telling her, I tell her I, she, you may have heard her say this, but I told her once, I said, do you, do, you ever, do you know that we get, because of our age, we get this heating allowance? And I said, do you collect your heating allowance? She said, no, I don't think so. I said, well, I thought of collecting it and then giving it to some, maybe an old person that, that, that's living down the road or something. Anyway, she gets on television, I think on Paula Grady's show, and says, oh, Cliff's told me I've got to collect my heating allowance. She said, darling, how can I heat four houses for 200 pounds? <laughs> she, she's a naughty girl. She is but indeed. I love her, though. Why did you pick Always... Well, David picked it, but I love Always and Forever. 
Well, I picked it off the lot. He gave me. I listened to so many songs, and I just, I just loved that song. And the minute I heard "Always and Forever," I mean, I knew it. At first, when I saw the title, I didn't. Then I heard it. I thought, of course, I remember this. It's a, it's a great song. And in a way, on the album, it's the one track that isn't really a duet. Although we had a special guest appearance of Billy Paul at the end of it. Um, but the reason why that happened was that. You know, Lamont and I decided what songs we were going to do. Then he sent the songs to everybody. And then he and I, well, he, first of all, made these tracks in the key that I had chosen. Now, when Billy Paul arrived, I saw his face drop, and I thought, oh, no, what's happened? And he said, oh, my God, I, I don't think I can sing this. It's it's too low for me. Because um, you, when you listen to it, I have quite a low voice. I can, okay, I can go up a bit. but and And so he said, I'm not sure. I don't think I can sing this. And he couldn't. He couldn't give it what he wanted. So I think it was my idea. I said, well, what about, you know, there's about a 35-second, 40-second fade, and I'm doing ad-libs. Why don't you do some ad-libs on the end there? Just sing out the way you did. And because he doesn't have to keep to the melody, he could just sing whatever he wanted. And the only other thing I requested was that he must mention Mrs. Jones in it. So on <laughs> yes. the, as it fades out, we have a special appearance of, of, of Billy Paul, who sang, oh, I'm sure people listening will know, you, me, and Mrs. Jones. Mm. Anyway, I got him to get Mrs. Jones in on the end of the song. Cliff, how long has this album taken from beginning to end? Oh, you mean to, to listen from, to? From the, no, from the day you started to oh, the day it was produced. It, we, we, we worked exactly three weeks in Memphis, and I did two weeks in New York. So it's a five-week five week job. And and it wouldn't have taken that long if everybody had been available on the same week. But, of course, you know, we were obviously having to wait for everybody to come in when they could make it. And so I, I spent... Uh I did, I did my tracks in, a, in about a week. And then the, the other two weeks, people came in at different days. And I went in with all of them. And, and Lamont and I sat and explained things. And, and then we got it done that way. Let me play a little clip of this and then say goodbye. Don't go away. Okay. I really, really, genuinely would love to criticise the album. And I can't. <laughs> I wonder what you were going to say then. No, no, no. I really um, can't. I've tried. I'm so happy to hear that. I can't tell you after all these years. It's still so nicely encouraging to have people appreciate what you've done. But thank you so much for saying that. It's very kind of you. But it's exciting. It's exciting because it's new. Uh, your voice has never changed. I mean, <clears throat> we hear today that uh, Tony Bennett's gone to the American charts with the album, his album. Oh, what, yeah. He's 80, 82, 83? Yes. I saw, but he's, I mean, here's again, his voice sounds exactly yeah. as good as it yeah. did when he was in his 20s unbelievable well you've 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 done this you've got the tour he's done that elton's just signed three years in vegas again i mean it's i wonder there's a market there because we're, we're the rock and roll babies remember hmm. and uh that, that that's never going to change and i think we're far more uh uh loyal in that res in that respect so it makes a difference and you know we were talking about the young artists earlier on mm -hmm. I, I know i'm going to go in a minute but um the one thing that i feel i feel sorry for them because the days of selling a million records don't yeah. seem to be with us yeah. anymore now maybe this a, a cyclical thing maybe it'll cycle around and come back maybe there'll be millions of downloads i don't know but i know now even with a download you can sell 
some downloads and some CDs and sell maybe 35, 40,000 in a week, and that makes your record number one. Well, you know, when the Shads and I and the Beatles and the Stones were having number ones, we were selling 120,000 copies a day. Um, yeah, so it, it's just a different world now. And some of the, as I said earlier, some of the singers I hear should be around for years to come because they're really, really good. I, I don't know how to help them, but maybe they can help yeah. themselves. I don't know. I'll maybe it's Maybe they'll have to have the right mindset to grit their teeth and go with it. I was going to say, we're, we're sitting here talking, and you know, somewhere in the world, the Searchers and Jerry Marsden will be doing it on stage right now. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. I mean, the searches, I, I, Jerry, I don't know how much he works, but he works Oh, all the time, all the time. Never, you can't. He, he, I've been trying to get him for Claire House for ages. He's promised. You can, he's never in. He's never in. He's always in Australia. Well, I know, they're funny, the searches as well. I think yeah. they do about 350 yeah. concerts a year. I, where did I work with? The last time I worked with Jerry was the Cemetery Club in uh, in the Lake District. The how's that for a name? The Cemetery Club. <laughs> I'd rather that one. Yes. <laughs> it's a dead end of town, is it? it, it it's it's in. It's, it no, the, no, no. It's called the Cemetery Club. No, I know. That's what I mean. It's set in the dead centre of town. Yeah, oh right. <laughs> so that went straight over my head. I'm sorry about that. But you are a good singer, so I'll let you <laughs> have you, that. Thank you. Very much. So the uh, concert tour kicks off when? We're kicking off in Nottingham on the 15th of October. Uh, as I say, it's, it, we, I think from Nottingham we're coming to Liverpool, then Liverpool to Birmingham, Birmingham to Manchester, Manchester to the O2 in London, from London to Newcastle, and that will be the end. And that'll be eight concerts, including the two concerts in Birmingham, two at the O2. So it'll, it's not going to be one of the more tiring concerts, although it'll be, it's a very demanding concert for me. Mm -hmm. The singing's quite extreme, from gentle, simple things to things like birds of a feather but but fun i think it's going to be i'm so looking forward to it and you time. must be excited about the unknown certainty of the album because you really don't know who's going to buy it apart from your hardened hard fans no you just don't know and i just hope enough people like your good self play it enough that people hear it because they could they can only choose to buy it if they actually hear it you know i still have uh, i was last year when i had my jazz album out uh young some young people like in their 20s 25 to 30-year-olds, mm. said, oh, my, you know, we, we know all about you. Our mums love you. Are you still recording? I said, yeah, my album's number three in the charts. And I, but it's not their fault, you see. If they don't hear it, they don't know there's anything out there. So it's a difficult world we live in now. But I, I can only do what I like to do, and, and I, I love this album. And if, if, uh, if people hear it, I have a feeling that quite a lot of them might like to buy it. I don't know, but, you know, you can't tell that sort of thing. I think so. I think so. Is there anything left for you to do, apart from continue doing what you do? I've got to keep doing it till I get it right. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your message to the fans? I know... Well, we've been inundated with calls. Okay. Pe people saying, oh, my goodness, it really is him, and, uh, you know... Yeah, it is. Well, I mean, I, just, to, just to say to them, look... Trust me on this one. Uh, I've never let you down. And I just do think that this is going to rate amongst the best shows that I've put on. So whether you can come or not, there'll be a DVD. If you can't make it this time, there will be a DVD and you can have the DVD to watch it. But don't miss it either way. Right, I'm going to say goodnight. I'm so thrilled that you spent so much time with us. I, I'm, I hope people love the album like I do. I hope the flavours we've given uh, just have teased people enough to go, whoa, this <laughs> is something very special. Wonderful. I'm going to finish off with an old track, uh, and I thought, move it. 
So oh, I would yeah. I, I would like Sir Cliff Richard to actually um, introduce it, please. Well, this is the first record that I ever made. It was written on the bus, the 715A, going from where I lived into London, and it took us to our audition. And on the bus, Move It was written by Ian Samuel. We did it as an audition piece and recorded it about five weeks later. So here it is, Move It. And this gentleman that we're saying goodnight to now, when I first interviewed him many years ago, told me off because I said it's a Cliff... Well, it wasn't Sir then. It was Cliff Richards. And he went, excuse me, can we get the name right before we start the interview? <laughs> Never forgotten that. I know, I always say to people, no, it's, it's Cliff Richards, there's only one of me. Yeah. It's not a yeah. plural. You're a legend. <laughs> Thank you so much. Cheers, Peter. The best of Pete Price on Radio City 96.7.